do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.asade.edu. Welcome to Asade Do Better Podcast. I'm George Kondrakis, Associate Professor of Strategic Management at Asade Business School. Uh, I'm here with Carlos Serrano, who's an Associate Professor of Economics and Business at Universitat Pompeu Fabra here in Barcelona. Uh, Carlos has a PhD in economics from the University of Minnesota. He previously taught at the University of Toronto and was also a research analyst at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. Welcome, Carlos. Hi, George. Thanks for inviting me. So uh, Carlos is today with us uh, as he's an expert in intellectual property rights, in particular markets for technology. Um, he has presented his work to the U.S. Patent Office and the OECD, his research has been discussed in public hearings on innovation policy at the U.S. Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission, and his work has been cited in Amicus Curiae to the U.S. Supreme Court. So I invited Carlos to have a chat about one of the most um, hotly debated issues or proposals these days. Um, should we get rid of patents for COVID vaccines? Now, uh, this proposal has received renewed publicity after the Biden administration hinted that they would be in favor of waiving uh, patent rights for COVID vaccines. Um, I want to ask Carlos what he thinks uh, about that, but before we do that, uh, Carlos, can you explain to us briefly why we have patent rights for vaccines in the first place? Sure, George. So the, the purpose of the patent system is to encourage innovation by granting inventors, like companies, uh, a patent for their inventions. Uh, these patents or patent rights provide inventors the right to exclude others from making, using, offering for sale, or selling their invention. And they do so for a limited time, okay? Roughly 20 years from the application date of the patent, okay? That's one purpose of the patent system. A second purpose is to improve the efficiency or the efficient flow of knowledge and facilitate the transfer of technology protected by, by these patents, okay? And I highlight the second purpose because today, later on, uh, this is gonna come handy. So in short, the purpose of the patents or the patent system is to encourage innovation, facilitate the transfer of technology, and also develop efficient market structures. Okay, thanks, Carlos. And I, I think you're right, there's plenty of good reasons. And, you know, of course, people differ in their views, but I think especially within the pharma uh, context, um, I think most people agree that uh, having patents is a good thing. Now, uh, given that point, why all this fuss about uh, COVID-19 vaccines? So what is the rationale behind waiving patent rights, at, at least uh, from the proponents of this view, at least? The immediate practical concern uh, that we have right now in both Spain and elsewhere, in Europe and elsewhere is the near-term limited supply of vaccines. So some governments, like ours, conjectures that waiving patent rights will open up the supply of vaccines so that we can all get vaccinated you know, as soon as possible. So their argument is that these patents or patent rights are the main reason for the supply constraints. And the rationale is that patent owners like Pfizer, Biotech, and AstraZeneca and others are preventing other firms from developing vaccines or that the licensing fees that these companies are charging you know, are too high. And they are doing that to maximize monopoly rents. As you can imagine, I mean, we know each other well, 
I do not agree with this rationale. So uh, uh, my view, and I think it's others' view as well, is that the bottleneck is, is different. Is first specialized equipment that is needed, you know, for these vaccines to be developed. So as we know, uh, most supply of specialized equipment required is already used. So we don't have enough equipment. Second, there is a short supply of materials, meaning the inputs that go into these vaccines. Um, so we need to produce more of them and, and we don't have enough. And, and third is the lack of trained and experienced people first to expand the production you know, of these companies and also to help you know, in the technology transfer. Okay? So time and money can fix these issues, these three issues, but waiving patent rights, I think they will not. Patent rights, however, could be the bottleneck if these issues at some time, they were you know, out of the way, but right now they are not, okay? So, Carlos, sorry to interrupt, but, uh, you know, of course, uh, for people who are, who are familiar with this field, you know, your points might um, kind of make sense and actually personally agree with your point of view. But, uh, I mean, one would assume that, uh, you know, having a patent right, uh, you know, is, is an additional problem, an additional kind of like impediment in the development of, uh, you know, of, of uh, vaccines. And some people would go actually to argue um that uh, maybe during a pandemic it's not a good idea to, to kind of to, uh, to try to maximize profits for the pharma companies right so uh, what is it precisely that um, um the, the the problem here so uh, or to put it differently does waiving the patent vaccine solve actually any of the issues that relate to the lack of supply no that's what i think i think no for example specialized not necessarily. I mean, specialized equipment. I mean, I don't see how you know waiving the patent rights is going to have an implication on more supply of specialized equipment. It may be, in fact, this specialized equipment is not made by the pharma companies. Okay, it's made by by other companies, also in the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical sector, but it's other companies. So what we would you know we would need a different type of help. We would need like financial help, or we would need like uh, solving coordination problems. So governments, you know, could help, you know, this sort of uh, companies, you know, to speed up production. But I don't see how, you know, removing patent rights is going to have any material impact on this equipment. Or another issue is, for example, the lack of trained and experienced people to expand production. So these vaccines are fairly new. So there is a limited number of people who actually know how, to, how it, you know, how it works, so, and often the knowledge and the technology is not just, you know, they are in a book that you can just read it. You know, patents are actually public. So it, it's not like people don't know how to read. It requires that Pfizer or Moderna sends their personnel to other companies and teach them, you know, you know and spend time there to, to how to make a vaccine and how to develop it. So it's, it's, it's harder to replace, you know, to train people, okay? And if we want, and we can talk later about how we can do it, you know, I don't see how patent rights or waiving them is going to encourage the people who have the knowledge, meaning Pfizer, but you know, Moderna and others, to release this knowledge. In fact, what you may want to do is to is the opposite. You may want to actually commit to enforcing patent rights so that these companies with the prop with the with the incentives, with the right incentives, you know, facilitate this knowledge, transfer this knowledge to others. 
okay? And they may be compensated by doing so. For example, you know, the production of, of other companies could be used as a measure of how effective the transfer of knowledge from Pfizer and, and Moderna has been, okay? So actually the solution is not to waive patent rights to me, it's actually to, to commit to them. So to tell to the pharmaceutical companies that don't worry, even if you transfer knowledge today, like tacit knowledge or you know, some knowledge that you know, is somehow you know, you know, costly for them to transfer because it can be later imitated, is that don't worry, your patent rights will be useful in the future to actually enforce that others cannot get away without, you know, without paying you the dues. Okay, so that would be the idea. Absolutely, and, and I think it's interesting to note that actually the Moderna patents have already been waived. Well, at least Moderna has agreed not to enforce their patent rights. And in practice, we see no imitation, mm -hmm. right? Which it's suggests that actually that the, the bottleneck or the problem is not, um, you know, the, the patent right itself, but it's actually production capacity. It's very mm -hmm. challenging uh, for firms to develop such sophisticated production techniques, right? Yeah. Um, now, uh, I mean, I, one could argue, you, you know, fine, I agree with Carlos, I agree with the, your point of view, but we're in the middle of the pandemic, uh, people are dying, you know, let's just, why not do, don't we just waive uh, these patent rights? Um, and even if, the, if it doesn't help, okay, that's fine, but, we have, but maybe at least we tried. Now, do you think there is any problems with that moving forward, thinking about maybe in different variants of the COVID, uh, um, of, of COVID or maybe even different pandemics or different types of uh, illnesses we might have to deal with in the future? Yeah, so yeah, in the short run, which was the main concern of policymakers, I don't see how waiving battery rights is going to help. In the long run, it could actually backfire, as you said. So we know that you know this sort of patents they provide the incentives, so that companies like biotech and others they do the R and D, right? They spend years, 10, 20 years doing R and D, often failing, so that if they don't expect to recover their investments somehow, it is unlikely that they will have the incentives today to make those investments, right? So it is possible that if these patents were waived today, or if there is uncertainty on whether in the future patents could be waived, it is possible that these companies will not make the right investments or there will be fewer companies making investments. And I want to highlight how lucky we have been, right? At least here in Europe, or you know, even actually North America as well, right? So we have, it's true that there is limited supply, but we have you know, roughly five, six, seven vaccines approved. Right, but now consider, but this is a small number, right? So now suppose, for example, that in Europe, we didn't have BioNTech Pfizer, okay? Or, or, so basically it, we would depend on AstraZeneca and Moderna, and there is hardly any supplies of Moderna in Europe because they are all in the US, right? So, so how we would do, so this is a small number problem, meaning like if we start playing around with the incentives for innovation, we actually may end up with less firms, less opportunity, less firms means less different types of technology. 
and, and uh, having different type of vaccines or different types of technology is also useful because we have different supply chains because we want firms to experiment, right? We want to have firms, many firms with very different technologies so that in the future, if there is a crisis like we have right now, the supply chain issues that we have, there will be less severe, hopefully, okay? Because we will be relying on different inputs, on different, you know, different technologies, right? Or even different people trained differently. So I think it, yeah, I think it's actually potentially very, uh, com you know, dangerous, you know, giving up the the patent rights, uh, especially because we were like we are like we are likely to have a different uh, another pan you know, pandemic in the future. Absolutely, thanks, Carlos. So um, let me see then maybe uh, think about uh, steps ahead. I think it's clear that you do not think this is good public policy, and uh, I personally agree with you as well. Um, in your view, what would be a good public policy that could actually help towards increasing um, vaccine production? So it, besides, of course, uh, pharma companies have their own incentives to do that, and you know they, uh, you can think about licensing fees, et cetera. But uh, from a policy perspective, do you think there is anything the government could do or like put forward some type of policy that could uh, at least ensure the you know speedy uh, production of vaccines. So early on in 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 your second question, you asked me about what is the bottleneck, and I mentioned three uh, issues. One of them was the specialized equipment. The second one was source supply of materials, and the third one was lack of trained and experienced people to expand production and make technology transfer. You know, kind of speedy. So the first two are sort of, you know, well-known, right? You know, we basically need more intermediaries, more companies producing specialized equipment, et cetera, et cetera. I think in the short run or medium run, that kind of be, can be solved providing the financing and the right incentives for these companies to do that. And the U.S. government, actually the Trump administration did some of this. They sort of, you know, encourage, strongly encourage companies to actually expand be even before the vaccine was available, okay? That's in the short run, me, can, can, can somehow be solved. What it is harder to solve in the short run is the lack of trained people. So for example, I mean, if we want to have more biotech companies in Europe, like more of biotech, for example, how long it takes to have a bio, you know, a PhD in biotechnology? No, it takes four years undergraduate, it takes, uh, five years PhD, it takes four, two year postdoc and then another year postdoc, okay? So it basically takes you more than a decade to train an experienced uh, uh, personnel who will help you, you know, make a vaccine, right? And we need many of them. And we need many of them because if we want to expand technology transfer and production in the future, we will need these people. But we also want to have trained people because the more trained people we will have, the more entrepreneurship there will be, the more startups there will be, and the more options for vaccines we will have in the future. And in this third pillar, you know, people and training, governments can, you know, they can have a big impact, a much bigger impact than a private company, right? Uh, so I would, I, I think, I think governments should should really uh, encourage. Uh, you know, edu you know, this sort of facilitate this type of education. You know, like I don't know, like thinking about like, uh, you know, making the fees to study medicine and biotechnology in in you know in undergraduate education cheaper. 
you know, you know, this sort of like, you know, issues uh, would be, you know, facilitating the hiring of this type of people in startups, you know, by waiving their social security, you know, for a while, et cetera, et cetera. And my final question is, do you think there's role for the government to, let's say, encourage or force um, you know, Moderna, Pfizer, you know, the, the owners of these COVID patent, vaccine patents uh, to be more active uh, in licensing? So do you think governments should try to kind of put pressure on, 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 uh, on companies to share their technology? Of course, with something in return. Yeah, yeah, I, I mentioned this briefly before. I mean, it, this is untested, right? We haven't done anything like this as far as I know, but I think there is an opportunity to sort of foster the private-public partnerships and the way I thought it could be done is by somehow, um, you know, compensate these companies for their transfer of technology, right? So I want you to train someone in, you know, in Morocco or in like China or whatever, in South America. Uh, I know it's costly for you because you could expand, right? But we want others to also do the same. So how can I do that? So I have to pay, I have to compensate you for that. And I will compensate you based on how many vaccines or how effective those vaccines produce in Latin America by a partnership, you know, how many of them they produce. And the more they produce, the better for society and the better for Pfizer, you know, like BioNTech. So the idea would be on that, is sort of making, you know, kind of giving incentives for these companies, you know, um, you know, to, to encourage them to, to share not the patent itself, you know, the patent is a paper, right? We know that patents, you know, they are not technology. It's just a document. What we want to encourage is for these companies to transfer the knowledge. And, and we will not do so by just waiving the rights. Okay, now companies, you may say, oh, but Carlos, I mean, these pharma companies are making a ton of money, right? I mean, are we gonna pay them even more? I say, yes. <laughs> That's how we solve these problems. But people have to understand that the magnitude or the cost to society of not having people vaccinated is huge. And let me give you an example. So, the, I mean, Pfizer recently announced that their sales uh, is going to be recent, you know, for, for this year, I think. It's going to be like 50 billion, okay? This is a big number. Uh, we don't know the profits, but it's going to be a fairly large number, okay? Now, now, let me let me let me think about Spain. If you think about the Spanish GDP, it's roughly 1.4 trillion. Okay, so Spanish GDP dropped 10%, a bit more actually. So that is a one, you know, 140 billion. Okay, so this company may be making let's say 20 billion. So Spain, just Spain, we are going to lose. We have lost already for not having people vaccinated. 140 billion. Right? It's gonna be very hard to recover this, okay? Now, Spain is just one country. France, GDP is 2.8 billion, 2.8 trillion. Germany is 3.8 trillion. And all these countries have lost, you know, seven to 10% of their GDP. So the issue here is not about chipping out on, you know, how can I get my vaccine one euro cheaper? I mean, this is ridiculous, right? So, uh, I mean, we should be thinking about how much we have to pay so that we can get vaccinated as soon as possible. Europeans, but also people, you know, that, that we rely to, right? People in Africa, 
and also Latin America. Okay, uh, that's my view. But I'm not. I'm not in the government. Okay. Great. So, Carlos, that has been very, very informative. Uh, thank you for being with us today, and thank you for helping us uh, make better sense of this debate. Uh, thank you, George, and thanks a lot for inviting me. Okay. If you still want to learn more, remember you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do better.